Hey everyone, Rob Schulberg here. Welcome to the One Life Lesson Podcast, a series of interviews I'll be conducting with mission-driven business leaders, entrepreneurs, and educators throughout the Pacific Northwest and beyond to share their unique stories, inspiration behind their work, and the one life lesson they've learned along their journey that will hopefully resonate with you listeners out there. And if you do find the time to listen to this podcast, I encourage you to message me via Facebook or LinkedIn, as I'd love to hear your feedback on this pilot project I'm working on. So with that, let's get to the interview. Hey everyone, Rob Schulberg here. I'm super excited to have my next guest, Joey Jenkins, joining me today on the One Life Lesson podcast. Uh, Joey was kind enough to come down here and have this conversation with me for a second time after I experienced some technical difficulties. So Joey, thank you uh, again for uh, carving some time out of your day. So Joey is the co-founder and chief executive impactor of Optimal Impact Group, uh, whose mission is to help businesses and individuals maximize their potential by way of professional coaching and corporate consulting. Joey, thanks so much again for joining me. Thanks for having me again, Rob. It's good to see you again. Uh, So before we get into some of the work you're doing right now with Optimal Impact Group, I was wondering if we could kind of step back and if you could kind of take me through some of the events earlier on in your life that led you to become a professional coach. Yeah, thanks for asking. You know, when I was 20, I went through a really difficult time, as a lot of people do, is just the searching and questioning and where are you going in life. And I also had some personal stuff happen. I had a girlfriend die in a car accident that threw me through a, a big spin and loop and brought some real challenging situations along with some other personal things right at the same time. And I had a mentor who just poured into my life like crazy. He bought me leadership books. He sat down with me and did pros and cons lists on whether I wanted to be a teacher or go into business. And he took me to conferences and he just spoke into me and constantly saw my best self and constantly was somebody that I could be real with, I could be raw with. And he just mentored me through life, just through the process. He taught me how to set goals and how to accomplish those goals. And so just that process of having somebody like that, that powerful in your life, I remember thinking about a year into it, man, I would love to be able to give back to other people in the same way this guy gave to me. And so he helped me create a mentoring program when I was 21 at Oregon State Rec Center. And I co-created it with another student there, and he kind of oversaw that process for us. And we got a, I got a mentor individually, two guys and one girl, and after a year of mentoring them and meeting with them weekly and doing all the same kind of stuff that Troy did with me, it was by far the most rewarding experience I'd ever had in life. Like, I knew that that was the kind of work I wanted to do, was helping people clarify and identify what their dreams were, you know, become the person they were capable of becoming, help them set goals and overcome barriers, and it was just the most fulfilling and thrilling thing I'd ever done. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I know that kind of one of your mottos is the dream big, act small idea. I know you presented that at, a, I believe, a TED presentation. Yes. Uh, Can you kind of take me through where that kind of motto originated from and really what it means? Yeah, so my dream big, act small motto, I would say, really started when I was 19 years old. The act small side became really evident to me and, and part of the dream big part, and that started to mold over time. But I read this book called Slaying the Dragon by Michael Johnson, the Olympic gold medalist sprinter, and it was really a book that changed my life forever. Up until 19 years old, I read about three books through school. I was a back-of-the-book reader and then just make up stuff for my book reports. And and then I read this book, and it just changed my life forever. I started reading about a book a week since then, and I'm an avid reader now. And it was something about 
the way he had this huge dream and goal of becoming the fastest man on the face of the earth. So he was dreaming big, but he was somebody who was so practical in his understanding of what it took to accomplish that dream and his relentless work ethic and commitment to make it happen. And he talked about goal setting and he talked about strategy and he talked about all these little details of what it takes and that it was really the small actions over time that led to that big goal becoming a possibility. And so that was really the genesis, I would say, of just the beginning stages of dreaming big and acting small. And then I've read about a lot of John Wooden's work, you know, the famous UCLA basketball coach who won 10 national championships in 12 years. And when you study John Wooden, you notice that he is a master of the details. He, you know, taught his players how to put their socks on right first. It was the very first thing he taught them. And I mean, can you imagine being a college basketball player who's on scholarship thinking you're all that and amazing and you go to first practice and the coach is teaching you how to put your socks on right? You would definitely think the coach is a little bit of crazy off his rocker (laughs) and probably not going to teach you a whole lot. But it was just his relentless attention to detail that took time. It was over time, you know, it was 15 years of him coaching at UCLA before they won their first national championship. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people forget that, that it took year after year and over a decade of doing the small things right before a big dream became a potential and a reality. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to bring up a point just, uh, but for a little later in the conversation, because I want to get to your work with Optimal Impact Group. And I believe you perform for companies, for your clients, you perform this 360 analysis. Uh, so what aspects of a company are you evaluating and then what do you do with this data to provide some sort of kind of ROI for your clients? Yeah, that's a great question. So our company's focused on impact. That's what we're trying to help companies do is increase and scale their impact and do it more effectively. And we do that by evaluating four pillars of impact. So we look at leadership, we look at culture, we look at community, and we look at their brand. And what we do is we do this outside analysis that comes from a third party. So it comes from us. It's not internal. Um, it's not biased. And we come in and do this analysis, and it gives us data that we give them that shows them their blind spots, their weak areas, their strength areas. And then we help provide services that will help them take those weak areas and blind spots and make them areas that they're aware of, help them identify what their goals and targets are for those, and then help them create a strategic plan to, to make those strength areas for them. And do you work with companies regardless of size or industry? Yeah, we started off, you know, that dream big, act small thought process. We started off with small businesses and small nonprofits, and we are continuing and striving to grow that so that we can work with a lot of larger organizations. And so I'd say right now we're really working with small to mid-sized companies at this stage of the game. But our, our goal and hope is that we want to help companies that are large-scale, multinational, global companies increase their impact and, and do business right. Mm-hmm. And now... To kind of go another direction here, I understand you've done some volunteer work outside of the United States. Um, it sounds like you've been involved with, I guess it was uh, Encompass, uh, was a nonprofit that you helped uh, found. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. So the girl I mentioned earlier who died in a car accident, when her and I started talking about this idea that a, a buddy of mine from middle school actually and I had originally talked about of how there's so much pain and suffering in the world and someday we would love to do something to give back. Mm-hmm. And so her and I started talking about that and we actually opened up this joint bank account and started giving money towards the idea and the cause. And then after she passed away, my friend who talked about it for the first time with me a couple years before came back and said, you know, someday never happens for most people. Let's just start this thing today and see where it goes. And that was over 11 years ago now. So we started with five Oregon State students that were all of our co-founders, my wife being one of those. And 
we now, for the last 11 years, we've served the homeless in Portland. We have an orphanage in Haiti. And we, we served the homeless for the first six years, but now we have an orphanage in Haiti where we've got um, you know, dozens of kids that we provide education and housing and clothing and medical and food and, and shelter. And then we have about 130 kids that we also provide education to in the village surrounding our, our orphanage. So it's just been a tremendous, a lot of fun, tremendous opportunity to provide impact and empower kids who we believe are going to be world changers and are going to change their society over there. And can folks here in the United States help sponsor a family or a child? Yeah. You know, one of the big pushes that we're making is we want to sponsor an entire generation of kids in Haiti's education. And so for $35 a month, you can sponsor a kid's education in Haiti. And we're really looking to make a big push on that this year. We're going to try to get another 100 kids sponsored by the end of this year. And then next year, we're going to try to get to 1,000 kids that we have sponsored in, in Haiti and continue to strive to go from there. But I would say that the education these kids get is top-notch education, and it really positions them to be leaders of their society in the future and to really turn Haiti around in a powerful way. And it's helping them turn Haiti around themselves versus us coming in and doing it for them. So we're just providing that support and partnership with them, but we're allowing the people to be the ones that make the transformation. And do you have any intention of expanding your efforts outside of Haiti or elsewhere around the world? Yeah, when we started, we definitely had global ambitions and really want to serve to the greatest capacity we can, which we think is beyond Haiti eventually. Um, Haiti is our heart right now and is our focus. And just to be strategically focused and not overstretch ourselves, that's probably where we'll be for the next handful of years. Um, But we definitely intend long-term to expand beyond Haiti. Mm -hmm. And now to shift gears a little bit, as you mentioned earlier with the John Wooden example of being very detail focus and really kind of stressing the little things in order to achieve larger successes in the long term. It seems like today with, and I'm certainly guilty of it as a millennial, it seems that we have a lot of younger folks who really dream big, who have these large aspirations, whether it's personally or professionally, but then aren't able to follow through or uh, kind of execute. I think a lot of that has to do with kind of this need for instant gratification and wanting to find success overnight. Having spoken to high school students, younger college students, I'm sure as well, what are some of some tips that way that folks can, you know, kind of work on um, to, or maybe even if it's changing their mindset as to not be so um, kind of uh, driven for those short successes, but really looking at the long-term goal? Because it seems like that's it's just an issue we see with younger folks and even just society as a whole now. Yeah, that's a great question. It's a huge challenge. I would say the my advice to millennials in this is in the younger generation, Generation Z as well right now, and this is becoming a, a multi-generational problem. I don't even know that I would say it's necessarily just a younger generation mm-hmm. issue anymore, is to play the long game. It's to be patient. It's to stay the course. Uh, There's a great principle in the book, Great by Choice by Jim Collins. It's called the 20 mile march. And he outlines an example of there's these two expeditions that were going to the South Pole. And this is a real story. And in one expedition, everybody dies. And the other expedition, everybody lives. And they make it, they, they beat them to the South Pole and they all live. And the difference was this principle of the 20 mile march is essentially that 
you want to march a very consistent distance in your distance in your day and not necessarily let your emotions drive that. And so the other group in their expedition, they would march 30 miles one day, 10 miles the next, 15 the next day, four the next, because they, you know, they'd wake up tired and groggy and they would just say, let's march four miles today instead. And the 20 mile march principle is you find something that you're passionate about, that you're excited about, that you think you can be your best self in and deliver the most value you can to the world. And you consistently every day do those small actions that get you closer to becoming the person you're capable of and having the impact you're capable of having. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's important. You know, I just finished, uh, it's in the editing, or the editing process is done. It's in the final design process and publishing process, and it should be out July, July 1st, a book on this topic, and it's called Never Hit the Snooze Button. And the reason I wrote this book, it's not a book about getting up early. It's a book about the little things making all the difference, and it's a book about commitment. And I think that's one of the great differentiators in society today is can you commit and stay the course over the long haul? Can you be patient? Can you wait for success and wait for results? And the snooze button, I think, is the best metaphor for this because the night before you create a plan and decide that you need to wake up at 6 a.m. or whatever time you set your alarm, And the next morning when you hit snooze, you're telling yourself the very first thing you do, the way you're setting your tone for your day, is you're telling yourself that you're the kind of person who doesn't do what you say you're going to do. And that slowly starts to seep into all other areas of your life. And when you you notice in society today, I'm a part of a lot of different organizations and a lot of different groups, and I consistently see people bail on meetings because they're overwhelmed and they're tired that day. And I just don't understand that. And I just don't think that that's the way you need to operate if you want to be successful at the highest levels. When you commit to something, 99% of the time, you got to follow through with it. There's, of course, exceptions and emergencies, but those are usually pretty rare and few in between. And so I think that that's the big differentiator is be patient, play the long game, and do the 20-mile march. Mm-hmm. And there's a, I think it's a pretty popular video on YouTube now, but it's an army general, I believe, giving a commencement speech at the University of Texas. And he talks about if you want to make, let's see, if you want to change the world, uh, make your bed in the morning. First thing, do you know what video I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. I actually just read his book recently. It's Make Your Bed First. And it's, uh, it's William H. McRaven is the the author and the speaker there. It's a really popular video. He's really motivational. I love his stuff also and, and definitely believe in, you know, his message of discipline and consistency and, and set your tone right. You know, the little things make a difference over time. And I think that that's a big thing missing in today's society is we, we are great dreamers for a season. This is my experience is in high school, and below, we're really told, dream big and believe anything's possible. And then usually towards the end of high school or in college, you start to be told, be practical and be realistic. Mm-hmm. And some people maintain that dreaming in their 20s and a little time, a little bit in their 30s. But I think we're always looking for that magic bullet, that easy solution to hit, you know, retire by 35. And I think the challenge is, is that when you don't do the little things over time, when you don't make your bed first, when you hit the snooze button, you slowly tell yourself that you're not the kind of person who's likely to achieve your dreams. And so what happens is your identity becomes that even though you keep taking big swings here and there, those swings become more and more, they feel more and more like you're buying a lottery ticket. And they feel less and less like they're an inevitable reality that if you put the time in over time, you're going to get there. So I think a lot of people even though they seem like they're taking big swings and they seem like they're dreaming big, I think they're dreaming big the same way lottery ticket buyers think that they're dreaming big. And there's a huge difference. Mm -hmm. I love the example that 
Gary Vaynerchuk uses, who's, for those who don't know, is a very kind of popular online influencer, CEO of VaynerMedia. I highly recommend checking him out. But I love the phrase that he uses, especially as a young person, if there's something passionate or that you're, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, professional, um, you know, job or something, or just a passion you have that you're interested in, you really have to dig dirt, you know, do something for free, low pay, but really, um, you know, you kind of have to start out somewhere and then eventually work your way up, which like you um, were alluding to is can sometimes be absent with um, folks regardless of age. And I just, I really like that. Um, I can candidly, I've even thought about that even with this podcast, this project I've kind of taken on and thinking, I don't really know where it's going to quite go yet. But and it's easy to have that kind of self-doubt and that ego in your head kind of tell you that you can't or that you shouldn't or that it's not safe. So I, I certainly think that is a valuable lesson. I think it's an incredibly valuable lesson. You know, I, I'm a huge Gary Vaynerchuk fan. His video on YouTube, Overnight Success, is one of my favorite videos, and I highly recommend everybody listening to go watch it. It's only eight minutes long and really powerful and definitely fits in with the topic we're talking about right now. Um, I actually get a chance to meet with Gary in, on awesome. June 5th next month. So I'm really excited about it and just to share with him that there's really three things that started my my process of me starting my business. One was a lightning bolt experience in Haiti. One was Tony Robbins' TED Talk. And one was Gary Vaynerchuk's book, Crush It, from 2009 um, that I read in 2013 and gave me the courage and boldness to make the leap and start my company. Um, but yeah, that eating the dirt or you know digging dirt is, is definitely a really real process. And, and I think a lot of people are waiting for that six months to one year success. And I love in his video, Overnight Success, he calls people out. He says, if you want to do this for the rest of your life, this is what you feel called to and you think is your big dream and you're trying to quit after eight months, It's you got to be doing this and willing to commit to this for the rest of your life and put the time in and put the effort in. And every time I hear that, it challenged me to stay in the game a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. When I was two years in and thinking, boy, I can't believe this hasn't paid off yet. I can't believe I'm not as successful as I hoped and dreamed and thought I would be. I hear that message and I think, boy, I don't want to be so entitled to think that I can have the dream that I want after two years of work that I want for the rest of my life. I'm willing to put the time in. I'm willing to double down, quadruple down, and do whatever it takes to make it happen. It really comes down to patience that way. Absolutely. Yeah. Something I kind of think about, too, is there are a lot of people out there who want to be happy in life. And then I kind of ask the question, well, is it happiness or meaning that's more imperative to living a fulfilling life? What's your take on that? I love that question. I've been processing this with some friends recently and had this conversation a lot, actually. And I have found from my experience in working with others, I think happiness is best pursued as a byproduct. And I think the people I see who pursue happiness as their first and foremost top goal are the least happy people I know consistently across the board. Mm. And that if you pursue meaning, if you pursue a life of impact, if you pursue a life of service and giving, I think that's what brings the most fulfillment and not necessarily always short-term happiness, but short-term happiness is one of the most overrated pursuits and goals in our society today. And you see it with, I mean, there's tons of statistics that will amplify and exemplify that. So I really think that if you want happiness, I think we're wired to seek happiness and desire it. And I don't think there's anything wrong with happiness, but I think you should definitely not pursue it as your number one goal. And if you, if you do, you are almost guaranteed not to get it. And there's great examples I could give of that if you're, you know, if you're a married person and you're simply pursuing happiness as your goal above all others. And I come home from work and I'm exhausted and my kids want to wrestle with me and play with me. And 
what would make me the most happy is just to kick on the television and kick my feet up on mm-hmm. the couch and my wife wants help unloading the dishwasher and cleaning up after dinner and that's not going to make me happy what's going to make me happy is being able to just go out and hang out with my friends right now if i kept living a life like that day after day i would inevitably have kids who aren't i'm not close to who don't like me as a dad a wife who is unhappy in our marriage eventually and that's inevitably going to make me unhappy also and so if you intentionally pursue happiness it's usually a pretty selfish life and it doesn't lead to happiness in the end. Hmm. So Joey, I'd like to close with this question, you know, as a father of three, what are some of the the greatest lessons you would like to pass down to your children that they can kind of carry with them through life? Hmm. That's a great question, Rob. There's a ton of lessons and priorities as a father that I have and you know, one that just comes to mind right now is I really want my kids to believe anything is possible and to pursue a life of service, giving, and impact, and and to do it in a big way and to, like the biggest way they can for themselves. And so I, I'm a big believer that more is caught than is taught. And so the best way to teach that is to live that, so to live that life of service and impact and giving and to to keep pursuing your dreams, to be patient over time and to teach them that through example. Um, so it's, you know, I've got three little kids, a six-year-old, five-year-old, and, and one-and-a-half-year-old. That's nothing more important and nothing more beautiful, I think, than being a parent and a husband. And so that's definitely a huge priority. And it's definitely, it's a great motivator, you know. I mean, whenever my business is right at that tipping point of not surviving or pushing it beyond that limit, I definitely think about that. And that's been one of my biggest drivers and motivations is I want my kids to have the confidence to pursue their dream and pursue their calling and to have the faith to go after it and to go after it hard and to see that sacrifice is required. And so I want to be able to tell my kids that, look, we had to sell our house to keep the business alive and we had to use 100% of our savings multiple times to keep this thing going. But we did it because it was a calling, because we felt like there was meaning and significance and it would change people's lives forever as a result. I want that to be the legacy that they hear. Hmm. Well, Joey, thank you so much for, for joining me. And before we sign off here, how, how can people who are listening to this podcast get in touch with you or reach out? Yeah, they can connect with me on optimalimpactgroup.com. My email address, phone number are there. And if they're looking for coaching support, consulting support for their business, if they want to partner with our organization Encompass and the work in Haiti through education, I would love strategists, not just funding, but also people who want to strategize on how to make that happen. That's a huge passion of mine and our teams. Um, But there's a lot of ways that, that they can get involved and connect. So I'd gladly talk to them about a whole slew of other ideas too. Awesome. Joey Jenkins, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Rob. 